Leicester Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. How important is crop rotation? Why is it so important? What should be included? Within the field, I think the crop rotation provides a whole host of benefits. Resilience to extreme weather patterns, weed control, the spread in the workload, uh, the benefits are, are numerous. In the wake of the recent Farm Safety Week, we'll talk farm injuries and how was it for you? The last six months have been challenging at best. Some of the better prices we've seen last year have, have perhaps dissipated a little bit. So there's certainly a, a farming squeeze going on at the moment against that background of reduced support payments as well. Farming finances with Brian Richardson from Virgin Money, plus livestock and grain market reports and the weather for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you're well. How's your harvest progressing? We're going to be doing a bit of a review next week, but I'd love to hear from you. How's it going? Weather delays? Yields affected? Or is it all tickety-boo so far? Drop me an email, farming at linksfm.co.uk or tweet, or is it X now, at Farming Show. In the news this week, DEFRA has launched a new £14 million research fund to boost farming innovation. Morrison's launches a trial to support growers by covering all costs. And the UK pig industry has finally returned to profit after 10 successive quarters of losses. The detail behind these stories is available online. The recent Farm Safety Week urged us to take five to stay alive, take regular breaks, check on your mental health and those you work with and take five minutes before each task to evaluate and implement ways to make the task safer. Nick Dowler is the Lincolnshire and East Midlands chairman of the NFU. Nick, we've talked on the programme before about farm safety and despite all the campaigns, it doesn't seem to improve. What do you think that's down to? Um, within the farming industry, it's been an ongoing problem because, as I've explained many times during our seminars and presentations to try and bring down the number of accidents on farms, it is a unique environment. We have home environment and work environment mixed, of which the work environment can be a dangerous place. It's vitally important that safety awareness is at the forefront of everybody's mind and thoughtfulness goes into preparation. However, things do occur which may be hazardous. For example, there you are harvesting a crop. You've got two or three acres to go. You can see rain clouds coming in. You need to get that in before the rain hits you. You tend to speed up. And at that point, sometimes you're rushing and mistakes creep in. Uh, similarly, I suppose, if you're taking heavy stock or stock to market and it needs it's an arrival time, you've got an awkward bull that won't go on board your trailer, you're trying to hurry, you're not thinking safety. So it's this uh, mix of a rather unusual environment being home and work and also the fact that pressures of the day and sometimes blot out the fact that you are fully aware of what all the implications are. For a moment, you're forgetful because of the pressure that you're under to get the job done. Is it just an education thing, do you think, Nick? The general knowledge, I think, overall of farming is quite good. If you talk to a farmer in a quiet room about how do you see safety, they'll all emphasise its importance. They'll all say, oh, yeah, I know all about that. I've got all the safety gear I wear, the high-vis jacket, I've got the hats, I've got the gloves, I've got the trousers. I've got all the 
all the possible safety gear you can think of. When that person comes in after a hard day, sits down to eat his tea and suddenly thinks, hang on a minute, I haven't done so and so. And then dashes out through the door without his safety gear on because he thinks it will only take me a minute. That's when problems can arise. So it's, it is that. I think partially due to the strange environment and we're also talking farm safety in the sense of it's a very lonely job or can be you're working on your own and that's why I think it's very important that health and safety as in mental health and safety must come into this uh, it's very difficult to contact some people who are going through really difficult times but there are one man band out on their own out in the middle of nowhere and they don't seek help. So we've got several organisations locally which will, are there to help. And if you suspect, or I would ask my colleagues in the business, if you suspect your friend down the road is not quite his or her normal self, you need to have a little quiet word and even have a word with one of the support organisations which are available at the moment. And by that, Nick's talking about the Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, the Farming Community Network and the NFU, of course. And thank you, Nick. And for all things farm safety, have a look at the Farm Safety Foundation's website. That's yellowwellies.org and stay safe. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it hard to believe we're into August already. Not that you believe it from the weather. Sean Sparling's taking a well-deserved holiday. So over the next three weeks, we'll take a look back over the first half of the year from various angles. Today, the farm finances with Virgin Money's Brian Richardson. A challenging year, Brian. Yeah, certainly. I think challenge is a good word there. We came through last year with talk of high inflation for, for input prices. Perhaps farmers for that year at least were able to adapt to what they were doing. They perhaps had some stocks of fertilisers, etc. in store, so maybe didn't see the full impact of that. And at the same time, output prices were relatively good this year and certainly in the spring. Farmers have had to effectively replace that stock, still being very creative, I think, in terms of usage of of inputs and some of the better prices we've seen last year have, have perhaps dissipated a little bit so there's certainly a, a farming squeeze going on at the moment against that background of reduced support payments as well yeah because we've had things like post brexit and then the gradual introduction of sfi we've been waiting we finally got some detail on that at last yeah we've got to remember i think the support Payments have effectively re- reduced by just over a third now, and by you know next autumn it, it'll be by 50%. So that money's been coming out without any real obvious uh, replacement coming in. We've got more information on SFI. I think it is a challenge there for farmers just to get their heads around exactly what it is offering. It's very much a pick and mix arrangement. So whilst farmers can plug into it and get good incomes and should be looking at it very hard, it is taking a little bit of time for for farmers really to understand it and and plug into it. And you've also got those farmers who are on the hills, etc., where there's even more complication in that. So you know, a, a lot of change going on, and I think it's just for farmers to find their own pathway through that, really. But it, it does mean against a challenging background with costs and higher interest rates, output prices, I think there is just a bit of a squeeze going on. And SFI seems to me, as a non-farmer, to be incredibly complex. The complexity is there because, I, as I say, want a better 
phrase, this pick and mix approach that, you know, there's a number of options there for farmers to go through. I think DEFRA and the Rural Payments Agency are doing the best to make it as accessible as possible. But I think in terms of an individual business looking at what they're going to plug in, looking at that commitment, some who actually signed up for it last year and, and even the year before are now having to reapply to it. So th- there's a level of complexity there. But at the same time, there's a reasonably significant amount of money there that's worth applying for. Although important, I think, farmers plug into their professional support who will be dealing with this on a daily basis. Mm, get some advice. It's important you understand it important what commitments you understand and also important i think just to understand where you are in terms of um, the overall economics of your farm when you've seen this uh, existing you know basic payment scheme effectively phased out now you mentioned interest rates there a few minutes ago brian what effects are the raising of interest rates having on the farming community I think there's two sides to this. I mean, it's another cost effectively. So for those with existing lending and obviously there are overdrafts there for for working capital, it's important they understand what that extra cost is going to be going forward and plan accordingly. I think potentially the bigger challenge is looking forward where you're looking to borrow money and make investment. And I think it's certainly going to cost more going forward. And so it's important to work through those investments. We've gone from a very long period where interest rates have been very low and most of the time below 1% to now where bank base rate is at 5%. It's important, I think, farmers look at that very carefully, plan accordingly, look very hard at those forward um, positions in terms of any investments they might be looking at making. Has there been, Brian, anything positive to talk about over the last months? I think the last 18 months, really, and and really as we came out of COVID, the economics of farming haven't generally been too bad. We've seen particular sectors, pig sector one and for a period the egg and poultry sector, but generally things haven't been too bad. I think the, the challenges have really been a lot of uncertainty in terms of that development of farm policy We've then seen very significant inflation coming through and perhaps unsure what effect that was going to have. Some of those effects started to get mitigated in terms of energy prices, etc. So I think generally farming is not in too bad a place, but there are those challenges now and coming up that are just going to mean that farmers have to be on top of the planning and, and looking forward in, into where they're going in the future. Planning is definitely key, isn't it, to cope with this onslaught of challenges. What sort of things can farmers do to ease the pain of the next few months? Firstly, do sit down with your professional advisors, because I think whether it's your bank manager, your accountant, your agronomist or land agent, all farmers are, are interacting with some or, or all of those people. And it's important, I think, just to pick the brains, find out really what's happening, how they see things in, in the short, medium and longer term. And then from that, I think, to start to put a bit of a plan together for your own business. I think working with your professional just to understand what these changes and the impacts are going to have on your business. And then also how you can adapt your business, perhaps in terms of other income streams you're looking at, how you see your business. Is it going to get a bit smaller? Is it going to get a bit larger? How are you going to plug into SFI, etc.? Because I, I think we are seeing a very significant period of change now coming in agriculture in a short period of time. I'm actually quite positive about the medium to long term future of agriculture, but there is going to be change there. And I think having that deep delve into your own business, making sure you understand what those changes are and how you're going to be able to react to them and go forward. 
there's plenty of other variables that we can't do anything about like weather but i think in terms of planning our own business we can look through and uh, that will certainly help i think just you know having a plan being sure of that journey that, that you're on just helps i think as as these various challenges come along mm. and if you do have any kind of issues any problems don't stick your head in the sand talk to your bank manager or other advisors early my colleagues across all the banks see this industry very much as a long-term industry supporting it over the long term it is overall a very strong industry so we are there to support we just need to know you know what you need be able to talk through those investment decisions with you and really support you in in the future success of your business and and yeah with that the overall success of the industry because it's important for us that the industry continues to be successful so uh, you know we can bring that support through and and we've got the expertise across the bank to be able to do that brian thanks once again for joining us on the farming program brian richardson uk head of agriculture for virgin money thank you Thanks, Steve. Always a pleasure. Next week, we'll look back at the year in the fields, challenging for different reasons. And in a moment, we'll have a look at the markets and the weather for the week to come and ask, how important is crop rotation? The Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. Crop rotation is nothing new, but a group of five farmers, all on the regen journey but at different stages, have been exploring its importance and agreed that getting back to basics and focusing on good crop rotations was key to improving soil health and managing grass weeds. The Soil Regenerative Agriculture Group was launched in 2019 by the Farming for a Better Climate team at SAC Consulting. We'll hear from Zach Riley from SAC in a moment. First, Aberdeenshire grower Ross Mitchell. Ross, were you rotating crops before this exercise? So previously we were you know, very much quite a cereal-based um, rotation. So we introduced uh, legumes with both peas and beans. Uh, we had land let out for potatoes, which we dropped. You know, we, we need these break crops in the rotation to, to control things like grass weeds, which is a bit of a challenge. So, yeah, we're trying to um, introduce that between oilseed rape and uh, beans and legumes that we can control the grass weeds in uh, for the cereal crops. Are you doing the rotation in any particular order or is it more of a random thing? Until we get into the full cycle of the rotation, then it is a little bit random. But, but you mean, yes, I mean, our target is like winter oats, uh, winter wheat, beans, and then wheat, and then either a spring barley or spring oats. Right, so a sort of five-year rotation. Yeah. So, Ross, you obviously see crop rotation as very important, but why? All the different microbes and, and soil biology work differently. They interact differently with different uh, crops that are grown in it. So I think you need that wide rotation and different crops in it to, you know, to really stimulate the, the soil health. But as I said, for things like control of grass weeds, I think uh, the rotation is, is, is a key part of it. All important question then, Ross. How do you know it's working? What's the impact on the finances, on the yield? Uh, yes, I mean, I suppose uh, we've been doing it since 2018. Um, so, you know, financially, we were always expecting a hit at some point. So but it didn't come the first couple of years, which we were expecting it then. So we would have said we then potentially took a dip to years three and four. And then we feel like we're coming out the other side now. 
and we're starting to see the gains and improvements once we're sort of beyond that. You know, I think it's a little bit, I would say, like a organic conversion, where you know the, the conversion over it just takes time to to build. I mean, as I say, things like the soil structure, it's it's a long, long, long game. I think it's a 10 to 15 year time period before we really see the benefits of that soil structure. So when you say that you took a bit of a hit, what was it? Was it costing you more to work the crops? No, was it, uh, no, no just, just, a just, a slight, just a slight yield penalty. So, I mean, it, financially, it's still stacked up because we were, um, you know, we're not moving any soil. So we've still got a lot less cultivations, burning a lot less fuel. And inputs were were starting to be reduced, so financially not worse off, but just a, a slight yield penalty in some of the crops. So that yield um, is starting to to come back now, and we're we're not we're we're seeing improved yields rather than reduced. Is this something do you think that could be applied to pretty much any crop, or are there restrictions? Do you think? I think what the biggest restriction that we've probably got in the UK is still root crops. It's where they can fit root crops into the rotation. Um, I know there's a lot of trials up in this neck of the woods have been done with strip tilling, especially for veg, um, but you know beet and, and other crops as well, where they've been strip tilling uh, turnips and things as well. So I think there is a lot of potential and work could go into that. Of course, potatoes is the other obvious one is how how to combat that. But I think with a wider rotation and with some of the techniques that we're using, I still think that if the soil health is there and in a better place before you going with a crop of potatoes, then you'll be in a better place um, following the crop as well. Zach Riley from SAC Consulting, you got these five farmers together to explore crop rotation. What challenges does it present? The challenges tend to come around um, finding suitable break crops to to break up the cereal rotation. Grass weed control is always going to be a challenge, but I think it's one that, you know, with attention to detail, we can overcome. And then for a regenerative system, more broadly speaking, I think some of the challenges are actually a lot wider than, than what's happening on the farm. So it needs you know, support from the industry, suppliers and buyers, um, as, as well as the upcoming change in policy to, to really get this uh, off the ground and adapted on a wider scale, I would say. What kind of support are you talking about, Zach? Um, I would say support from the market um, in terms of recognition for what what these farmers are doing. So the extra benefit that this farming system is bringing, uh, you know, increased habitat on farm, um, improved water infiltration to reduce flooding, you know, um, a, a lot of benefits stemming from an improved soil health. Uh, at the moment, that's not recognised uh, in the market, but I think uh, for it to, to take off in this area, I think it needs a, a bit more of a drive from that point of view. Was any one structure or group of rotations or different crops in different orders producing better results than any others? I think the important thing with the uh, the, the rotation is just to make sure that the, there's suitable break crops at the right times to, to be able to control grass weeds and then also to provide entry for cover crops. Uh, that's probably one of the key findings that we, we had is that um, if we're always relying on crops that are a late harvest, we're never actually going to get the cover crop established to protect the soil with a cover crop through the winter months. Mm, um, yeah. So I don't think there's one rotation that's better than another, but I think the principle of, of making sure there's, there's break crops throughout that rotation and then also thinking about your entry and exit of crops and fields to, to work in with the wider farming system is quite important. 
So having done all this and done all these trials and exercises and studies and so on, the ultimate question is how important is it to rotate your crops? I think crop rotation is really important. Um, I think the diversity provides resilience uh, at the farm level. Um, and then within the field, I think the crop rotation provides a whole host of benefits. Resilience, extreme weather patterns, weed control, spread in the workload, uh, the benefits are, are numerous. Thanks to Zach and Ross. And if you want to know more about the project or the Soil Regenerative Agriculture Group itself, you can follow them on Facebook or visit farmingforabetterclimate.org. Links FM Farming. Market reports. Starting with livestock and from Louth Livestock Market auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Morning, Oliver. Morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from here at Louth. Started with the prime cattle, which these steers sell to 267 pence per kilo or £1,599 for F. Wallace and Sons of Biscothorpe. While the heifers sell to 269 pence per kilo, £1,409.63 for John Scolia Bormba. That wraps the cattle up, moving on to the lambs. A very, very similar number with an SQQ of 261.66 pence per kilo with an all-in average of 260.88 pence per kilo. However, it must be said there were penalty of leaner, grass-fed lambs mixed amongst the averages, uh, which has just pulled that back slightly. Topping with WH Orion Sons of Belchford at £139 per head or Ben and Pippa Williams at 283 pence per kilo. Finally, on to the cool ewes. These all in average £110 per head and top for Shaw Brothers of Binbrook at £150 per head. Huge thank you to everyone that's been in support this week, both buyers and vendors. We're back on tomorrow, Monday the 7th of August, with the summer consignment of suckle calves on behalf of Stuart Renshaw of Tetford. Uh, with store cattle entries already above the 60 head mark uh, and all classes of prime and cool cattle and prime, cool and store sheep uh, readily wanted for tomorrow's market. So for all marketing options, cattle or sheep, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market and thank you. Thanks Oliver and with a look at the grey markets, Openfield's Alice Killam. Good morning Alice. Good morning, Steve. Much like the weather this week, our markets have had a couple of lacklustre days. It has tried its best to go up, but has run out of steam within the first hour or so of trading. Starting first this morning on the topic of Russia, with the latest meeting between Presidents Erdogan and Putin. A telephone meeting followed by a face-to-face meeting in Ankara at some point in the future. Putin remained on message regarding the grain deal. For the moment, it looks dead in the water. So, we're left with product that must transit either by road, rail or via the Danube, which Russia seem happy to attack, even in an area so close to NATO territory. Freight rates are rising and some insurers will surely look again in the coming weeks if disruption escalates further. But even with the nightly attacks which we wake up to every morning has not been enough to move this market. The UK has very little chance of exporting wheat at its current levels. Eastern European wheat is far more competitive by five to eight pounds. Can this change? Of course it can. A switch in currency, a guaranteed supply of product, historic business that always take place. All of these may happen in a while. It was only three weeks ago where we thought barley exports would be impossible out of the East Coast. And now we compete very nicely. So things can change, but it doesn't work today. Next week, we will see the August USDA numbers released, and one of the key numbers that we'll be looking at will be the yield number for the US corn crop. Though the heat has disappeared, 57% of the US corn crop still sits within drought. This number must surely drop if we compare to the last five seasons. War aside, it's a story like this that could change the direction of travel for us. 
We've had two big moves up in two months and I don't think anyone can rule out another similar move up. But £15 has come off the market pretty quickly. It will need something fundamental to kick us back to over £200 again. We saw a welcome bounce in the bean and rapeseed market on Thursday, thank goodness. Some flash sales on US soya beans to China are the likely cause of this. It just shows how quick this market can move. A storage deal would have been paid for in a single afternoon. We need some more help though before we return to the highs of mid-July. At this point, I'd normally comment on the latest grain samples received, but as you can see, not much has happened in the last couple of days. To talk generally on the bits I have seen, so far the quality is looking good. The spring barley samples off to date are far better than the winters, and the early milling weeks too have been fine. Proteins look to be higher than last season, and hagbergs are also fine so far. Dry weather hopefully next week. Let's hope for some proper harvest progress and a lift in base values too. Some prices for this week, circa Friday morning. Feed wheat, July 175 to 180. September 180 to 185. November 185 to 190. With Group 1 milling premiums for new crop still holding around £60. Barley, July 150 to 155. October 160 to 165. May 170 to 175. And finally for all seed rate this week, 355 to 365. That's all for another week. As usual, please call for firm values. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. It's looking drier and a bit more settled this week, but not exactly hot and sunny for early August. Some light rain forecast today. Northwesterly winds in the mid-teens MPH, keeping temperatures no higher than the upper teens Celsius. Monday looks much the same with the wind backing westerly. Midweek brings some light rain. The wind continues to back round to southwesterly and temperatures pick up to the low 20s. The week ends under higher pressure, dry with some long-awaited sunshine, a light breeze and highs in the mid-20s. Could summer be back? Well, that's it for today. Next week on the Farming Programme, as results days get closer, we'll look at what's on offer for budding agriculture students at all levels from September, see how harvest is progressing from the cab of a combine, hopefully, and look back on the year in the fields. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.